And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here to have another conversation I'm hoping helps your business grow. So you have a credit report. Is your business? Because you kind of do. And you can build and stack business credit. That's what we're going to talk about during today's episode of Startup Hustle, which is powered by Fullscale.io. Hiring software developers is difficult, and Fullscale can help you build a software team quickly and affordably and has a platform to help you manage that team. Visit Fullscale.io to learn more. That's my business, if you didn't know, and we love talking to Startup Hustle listeners. So head on over to Fullscale.io and see if we can help you find some solutions. With me today, I've got Jack McCall, and Jack is the founder at Credit Stacking. You can go to creditstacking.com. It's really easy to go there. You just scroll down and click the link in the show notes. You can learn all about what they do over there. I guess without further ado, it's probably a good time to say, Jack, welcome to Startup Hustle. <laughs> What's up, Matt? It's so great to be here. Thanks everyone for listening in. I'm super, super excited to be here. I'm going to be dropping tons, tons of free value. So I'm really happy you guys are here. Looking forward to that, man. Well, let's start with a drop a little value about your backstory, man. Let's hear what that's all about. Yeah. So my name is Jack McCall. I am the founder of Credit Stacking and really I teach uh, over 1500 entrepreneurs on how to get access to over $100,000 of 0% interest through business credit cards. When I started in business over eight years ago, I didn't understand that you could leverage your personal credit to get access to such capital. I was strapped for cash and really each business venture taught me a different way to fund a business. The first business I had, I just self-funded, which for me was very hard because I maybe had five, ten thousand $10,000 to my name. So I was extremely limited and it really made the growth much harder. The second business, I learned how to bring on an equity partner and they brought the money, I did the work. And so that was how I financed that business. Fast forward to the third business, was, which was a travel company. Uh, it was called Send It Cabo, which when you said full, full scale, uh, full send, it reminds me of, of our company named Send It Cabo. Uh, but through that business, I took on a high interest business loan. Or I call it high interest because I'm used to now 0% interest. So we took on a business loan. It helped us scale, but we were paying interest. So it, much, it made the growth much more difficult, or I should say the profitability much more difficult. But then I learned about business credit cards and the fact that the business credit accounts don't report to your personal credit profile. So you can actually get approved for a hundred, two hundred thousand dollars when leaving your personal credit score unaffected. So once I learned about that, I, I just went deep, deep down the rabbit hole and become a fanatic over the last few years. And now that, that's exactly what I teach people. Well, I've been down that rabbit hole myself, Jack. In my second book, Million Dollar Bedroom, I talk all about how I funded that business with a stack of my poker buddies' credit cards. I have my own. <laughs> 
and some others. Now there was a little, a little bit of strategy there because I actually owned a ticket business at the time. So, you know, having their cards and their mailing addresses and all that. And, you know, that's how that, that, that got going. But I did a lot of credit stacking myself, including use of business credit cards and stuff like that. In fact, I actually had an upside and a downside with that because on one of those, I had a weird limit. And then they hard capped me and I went from having a bunch of available credit to like needing to come up with about 50 grand to get back to being maxed. So there, there is, there are, there are other sides to that that we can talk about, but yeah, if it wasn't for, I mean, I did that for years, um, you know, and you look at like a business like that one, it's been a long time since I've been a ticket broker, but I mean, we, we really got clever over the years at how to leverage credit. Um, and then also uh, for us, because we did such a high volume of purchasing, it was the rewards game. Like, nice. I, yeah. I got like $50,000 worth of points one year. And, you know, that's, and it's interesting too, because that's, that's those, that goes under rebates or something like that. It's not a taxable thing. So yeah. Yeah. So a, a, an amazing byproduct of having good credit is you can get the high, you can get the high, the, the best cards that give you the, the most points and rewards, which you can use for statement credits, or you can use for free travel, um, which is incredible. And really there's, there's a couple ways to leverage your credit for business. You can either max out your personal cards, which is much, much more risky, and that will affect your personal score. Or if you do it on the business side, since those accounts don't report, you can max those cards out, utilize the cards, and it uh, doesn't affect your credit whatsoever. Yes, City Card was doing three three times rewards on entertainment stuff for like two years, and uh, obviously, as a ticket company, those all came up as that. So, I mean, it was three cents on the dollar back, and uh, rather we didn't cash it in for travel and other stuff. Um, we you could get gift cards, so we kind of funded our lives. I had like bricks of of get like target lows like i mean they were literally bricks because we had you know rubber bands around them and almost like making it hail or rain or whatever however that would work you know we have a money gun at the at the startup hustle studio i bet it would shoot cards out but (laughs) yeah so I, i i joke it was when we shut down the ticket business I, myself and many of my friends and family were really disappointed about the lack of free points. I didn't buy, I had kids during that time. I didn't buy a diaper for four years. So when people complain about diapers and the cost of children, I was like, but it's free, right? From free gift cards. But okay. Yeah, so and, and, go ahead. I was just going to ju- jump in real quick. A lot of people yeah, don't understand yeah. all these points and benefits that come with good credit and having the top cards. Not only having good credit is going to save you um, on auto loans, on mortgages, on any type of credit products, you're going to get a much, much better rate and easier approvals into nice apartments. So that's that's the basic level of having good credit. And then you can get the top cards like we're talking about, and you're getting these two to, to four points per dollar spent, which you can use for cash back. If you compare that to a debit card, you know, you're missing out on that two to 4% margin that you could just get for free by having these cards. Yeah. And then a lot of it's the leveraging factor. That was the thing that, that really helped us because there aren't really a lot of people out there writing investment checks to online ticket brokers, especially ones that have just started their business. Um, so it was, you know, the, the access to funding wasn't, wasn't really there, but we, one thing most people don't know is most ticket brokers are buying stuff and trying to sell it for the most part as quickly as possible. So it, it create that created, uh, uh, you know, just this, this cash flow cycle 
You know, we should probably talk a little bit about the risks of that too, because you can get on the wrong side of these levers. And if you do, it can be, it can be kind of a pain in the butt. What do you advise people that go to creditstacking.com to do to try to avoid being on the wrong side of the lever? Yeah. So really when we look at credit, it's a massive tool as an entrepreneur or just an individual, but it's a tool. And like, you know, a lot of tools, you can use it for bad purposes and for good purposes. First of all, I want to clarify when I talk about leveraging credit with what we're talking about, Matt, is leveraging it as good debt into things that appreciate or to cash flow for your business, not out there buying crap that doesn't make you money or put money back in your pocket. But a good thing with these 0% interest business cards, it's it's 0% for the introductory period. So this could be as little as only six months and as high as 18 months. And if you ever need more 0% periods, you can always get more business credit cards and balance transfer the debt from the first card over to the second card. So during that period, it's 0%. You just have to pay 1% of the balance each month. And then after that introductory period, the interest does go a bit high, you know, credit card interest, which is around that 20% currently. So it does create some risk if you're not able to pay it back. But a lot of investors, people in their business, they need quick money to start a business or to scale their business. And generally, most businesses fail due to a lack of working capital. So business, business owners who have additional working capital have a higher chance of succeeding in that business. So what's what Jack's talking about? I should I, I really want to bring this up. This is a lot different than like the typical Amex business card, which requires a 30 day repayment in full. Um, and they're going to hold your feet over the fire if you don't pay that back quickly. That's a lot different than than some of the things I believe you're talking about. So so you think it's a pretty easy path to 100 grand? Is that is that about the, the norm there or? Yeah, it, it is a very easy path if you know exactly what to do. And I've created a very unique framework over the last few years where it's a blueprint of what works uh, very well every single time. And the first thing you want to do is optimize your personal credit profile, which we can go into. Then you want to look at your entity uh, entity setup. What kind of entity do you have in terms of uh, business category type? And then some banks will require you to open business checking accounts that will help you get these high limits on the, on these high on these business cards. And then you need to understand what cards to apply for, when to apply for them, and then how exactly to apply for them. So that's the high level framework. If you want, we can start with optimizing your personal credit. We can chunk that down and and teach people on how to optimize and how to start. Yeah, I did. You know, and I, I learned a lot about that myself over the years, too, because trying to flex this stuff up, it can. Yeah, but, but lead the way, my friend, lead the way. OK, awesome. So when we're looking at personal credit optimization, it's much more than a score. So someone can have a 750 credit score, but their profile can be extremely thin, thin in terms of the account limits, how many accounts they have the payment history in terms of age of that history. So you want much more than just a good score. You need to create a thick profile. And so we're talking about having at least $15,000 of collective primary credit limits. So if you added up all your personal credit cards, what does that collective limit look like? Is it 10 grand? Is it 1,000? Or is it 40,000? So the higher limits you have on personal cards, the higher limits you're going to have on the business cards. And when it comes to payment history, that is something if you have late payments, if you have any derogatory marks, that's actually the very first thing to take care of. To go hire a credit repair company, they'll dispute those 
get that cleaned up first, then you can continue the optimization. So we talked about payment history. Uh, we talked about some of the accounts. Another thing you want to look at is the average age of your profile. So if you're over two, if you're between two and five years of average age, that's a, a decent range to be in. Five plus years of average age is superior, and anything under two years is very young. And so a very easy trick for you to increase the average age on your credit profile is to actually get listed as an authorized user of someone else's old credit card. So maybe your mom, brother, sister has a credit card that they opened 10 years ago. If they add you as an authorized user, that account is going to report to your personal credit profile as an authorized user, and it's going to increase the average age. So the average age is very important and you can easily, easily increase that. And then you want to look at your utilization on your revolving personal credit accounts. The best utilization is going to be under 10%, but really under 30% on each revolving account is going to be best. So once you've well, got there, a fit, there's a trick with that too, that I think a lot of people wait till they get their, they wait till they get their statement and then they pay the bill, pay it off yes. the day before you get it. Pay it off yeah. like the day before the statement closes and have the statement close at $0, which is the same result. You're going to pay it off anyway. And that that's that utilization, meaning you don't look maxed out. Exactly. On the personal cards, you can max the personal card out, but you ideally want to pay it off at least four days prior to yeah. the statement closing date. Yeah. Even on Chase, for example, the payment due date is three days before the statement closing date. Even if you pay on the due date, it will still report that amount to the credit bureaus for the next month. So I like to pay yeah. before the payment due date, and that's how you bring your utilization low. So basically, yeah. once you've, you kind of fit all those uh, all those boxes, then you're probably in a good position to think about the next steps. However, if you don't have that at least 15K of collective personal credit limits, you'll want to apply for one to two, uh, not too many too fast, but one to two is, is reasonable. And I like to recommend specific high limit personal credit cards. These are personal credit cards that I've seen give very high limits relative to all other options. And I'll list them. The Apple card is a high limit personal credit card. The Chase Freedom Unlimited, the Chase Sapphire Reserve is a really good card. You need a little higher score for the Chase Sapphire Reserve. And the fourth card I would recommend is the American Express Delta Gold. Those cards I've seen to give the highest limits. And it's very helpful because that builds your comparable credit, which makes yourself more attractive to the lenders when you apply for business credit cards. And by the time we were done with the ticket business, it was stupid, our credit, because the, you know, we started, they give you, the, they'd be like, hey, here's 10 grand, you know, and then they see you spending it, they see you paying it off, and then it's 20, 30, 40. And like, we looked at one point, my wife and I, we were like, we have fucking like $600,000 of credit card limits if we wanted. You know, I mean, that was like what those got to. It was, I mean, it was, it was whatever algorithm determines that loved what we were doing. And that, and it was that same formula. And there really was like, you know, there was a, a bit of a science to managing it, especially when it came to cash flow. Cause there was one point when I can't remember what happened. I think it, it, shit was just a little slow for us. And, uh, uh, you know, they, they, what, what they giveth, they can take away. And I think it's important when you do some of this stuff that, all right. So the pan, when the pandemic hit, um, I remember talking to our COO and we, we actually asked, and this was just from experience. I was like, should we just max our credit lines? Um, cause I felt that they were probably going to take them away. 
and they did for a lot of people. Uh, there was, you know, Cabbage at the time was a, a pretty well known, uh, you know, cash flow lender, and they literally took everyone from wherever they were at to zero. They like basically shut everyone off and sold their business to Amex. Uh, but but some of that is, uh, you know, it's important, and that's why I say like I, I want to get into an episode like this and and paint both sides of the, you know, sunny day and rainy day, because remember that, that you don't have a right to that credit limit for these revolving accounts. They can take them away. And that algorithm that looks at you. So I've learned this as a business owner, because, you know, I've self-funded everything I've done, basically. I mean, I've got tens of millions of dollars in revenue now at my business. But with that, you know, I mean, you sign on stuff and you do things. And if you're, if that's where you're at as a business, like that can be a little tipsy at some point. And, you know, when you go, so some of these things, and yes, there can be a separation between the two, but you know, if you're super maxed out on one side of your life, I find that lenders kind of figure that out anyway. So I've actually seen uh, like the business flex things up and like, yes, there is an EIN an employee identification number that separates me from the business, but there's still a connective tissue there on, on some level. When we were going through the pandemic, there was a couple of times when we kind of leveraged the, the business cards up a little bit. And I noticed that my, they, my limits went down. I got some notifications about that. I think some of that depends on the way the economic winds are blowing because there's going to be, you know, I, I saw that happen as well during uh, the financial crisis in 2007 through nine. Like there's, you know, yeah, so, well, so, well, these companies have X amount of available credit that they can dish out. And if you're not using it as well, that's almost the same as having it max. So I kind of run into that now because I don't have any balances on any cards. And I've gotten a couple letters over the last several months that are like, we're not going to give you a $50,000 limit. We're going to, you know, so whatever. But Okay. So I, I have a couple follow-ups there. You mentioned about 600 grand in limits. And I think you were using the Amex charge cards, which you mentioned before, which those are, uh, they're called charge cards, which technically there's there's no spending, there's no limit on those Yeah, we cards, weren't on those. Those were just regular power. revolving. Those were revolving accounts that just built yeah. up over years. Yeah. Yeah. So the cool, the cool thing with the charge cards, they have the, the, the spending power. So based on your, your spending history and payment history with American Express, they can scale your limit up higher and higher. It's basically like a muscle. The more you work it out, the bigger it gets. So the more you spend on these charge cards, the higher the limit gets. But if you stop spending, they're going to start reducing those limits. But one thing I will say on your second point there is by banks reducing limits, the reason, or the reason they can do that or they for sure can do that. But the reason they do that is because they'll run soft credit checks on your credit report and they'll look at the spending history of your credit cards you have with that bank. So as long as your personal credit is still optimized, great score, and you're using the cards, they're probably not going to reduce your limits. However, if you max out your personal cards and Amex runs a soft credit check on your credit, they're going to see your credit is, is wrecked. And so they're going to think about reducing the limits they gave you on the business credit cards. So it helps to not only get good personal credit, but maintain good personal credit. And that's how you keep the high limits. And then, of course, you want to be using the cards if you can. I've been real sensitive to that as a business owner over the last 10 years, you know, just meaning like, um, you know, it's you can it, it, some people don't don't feel like they care. They're like, I don't need credit. I've got cash or whatever. But I, I mean, that's a good thing to maintain because. 
eventually if and when you do need money it's just always cheaper when you have a when you have a better credit score now speaking of cheap and not necessarily cheap but we'll say more so affordable that's what full scale can help you into when it comes to building a software development team you go to fullscale.io and you can answer about two minutes worth of questions and our platform's going to match you up with available developers testers and leaders that are ready to join your team go to fullscale.io to learn more um so I, you mentioned the Amex card. I actually, in Million Dollar Bedroom, I, I quit using Amex about halfway through that story, mainly because I got pissed at Amex. And that was an interesting story. So the, the Amex gold card, basically, which is where a lot of people start. I mean, they'll let you flex that thing hard, hard. And uh, we hit some threshold and they called our office and someone answered that wasn't me and answered a couple questions. And next thing you know, I got an email that was saying that they had put a hard cap on, on the card itself. So I, I, that's, I mean, that's, I got mad. I was pissed about that for years, dude. Cause like I said, it put me in a, I, we weren't in a poor cash flow or anything situation. It was just something weird about where that was set up and who, you know, whoever answered the phone, answered the wrong question. I called them back. I tried to talk to them about it. They didn't give a shit. So I went from, you know, that probably had like, and we paid, had paid that card off diligently for like two straight years and, you know, went from, you know, like I said, being operating well to all of a sudden we had to, you know, come up with a whole lot of, a whole lot of dough just to get back to being maxed. Um, that's, that's when I went more towards the like bank owned, you talk about like city card and stuff like that, which were a little more revolving in their credit. So there's a difference. Like the Amex business card is a charge card. Now it's evolved a little because now they have some more options that are more like, Hey, pay a, a, a lower amount. They have some different products like that. But at the time, and this is, you know, 10 or 12 years ago, this is 13 years ago, actually. And, you know, at the time that you would charge that card and you had to pay that balance off. You had a 30 day from that when that statement came out. So you needed to really be careful if you didn't pay that. It was it was expensive. Expensive. Yeah, And one thing I will say on on city that reminds me of something very important is determining what banks you want to build a relationship at. I only advocate building relationships at banks who have business card products, specifically 0%. City, for example, does not have 0% interest business cards. So I personally don't advise to build a relationship there because instead you can build a relationship with a bank like Chase or Bank of America or American Express or US Bank. And that relationship you build with those banks is going to give you a lot more value because you can get their 0% cards. Chase, everyone, I recommend having a business checking account to every single entrepreneur listening to this call and everyone in general. A relationship with Chase will go a long way and same with Bank of America. Yeah, let's let's uh, shift a little bit because there's some other forms of, of credit stacking that, all right, so before I was an entrepreneur, I used to work for the world's largest maker of electronic musical instruments. And with that, we had all kinds of accounts, all kinds of places. If you If your business happens to be in the business of selling a product that someone else makes, this is another form of credit stacking that 
I think it's overlooked. It's not just a, it's just a credit relationship with the vendors for which you sell products. And if you have a favorable payment history, a favorable, remember the people that if you own a store, let's just store is the easiest way to look at it. And you sell products from company A, you can continue to build that relationship and negotiate terms. And a lot of people don't think about this. So you talk, you hear net 30, net 60, net 90. And then a lot of times they also have relationships with companies that will basically floor plan your merchandise, which means you may get the same kind of 0% interest feel out of it. You'll have to have a couple extra accounts or something there, but that helps, that helps uh, manufacturer sell stuff faster because you're not like, ah, I don't know if I can sell it that faster. Well, what, what if, what if we gave you net 180? Um, so that, I mean, that's an, and for a lot of places that sell product that can actually be a bigger amount than the credit card itself. So like, that's, a, that's a, a popular form for a lot of businesses. And I think that you'll never, and by the way, if you're just paying for your product from any manufacturer and you're just paying for it right away, you should probably ask for a discount or, or yeah. that payment terms. Yeah, for sure. And one thing you, you mentioned about that, Matt, which reminded me, you know, you're talking about net 30 or net 60, a major advantage of these 0% cards. It's basically net nine months, net 18 months, because it's 0% for that introductory period, which is massive. If you're in real estate, fix and flipping, or even buying and holding, you can use that capital to finance those deals. If you're running a marketing agency, you can use that money to scale. If you're, if you run an e-commerce business, you can buy product and use that money to scale, which is incredibly important for, for business owners to have access to capital. And even if you don't need the capital now, optimizing your personal credit and getting into a position where you may be able to apply for the credit, it takes time to get to that point. So it makes a lot of sense for all entrepreneurs to build your credit and to put yourself in that position just in case you need to get access to capital. And the people who are not building strong credit right now, they're going to be massively left behind. So for the people that go to your site, once again, creditstacking.com, um, I mean, what what is your most common type of business owner? Real estate investor, e-commerce, consulting, uh, coaching offers, any type of business, this strategy can benefit. But I have a lot of real estate investors. Essentially what they'll do, kind of what I just referred to, real estate investors will use a business a business to get access to 50 to 200 grand of 0% interest up to 18 months. They'll be able to liquidate that credit into cash and then use that cash as a down payment on a real estate property and do some renovations and then either rent it out or sell it, and then they get the cash back and pay off the card. Um, literally any type of, of business venture, this really works for if you need to scale. So how does your program work? So first of all, it's, it's, it's all, there's 20 hours of coaching content. We have weekly coaching calls, um, and if we help people optimize credit and, and get access to the, to the business credit, but, um, yeah, I mean, we're, we're helping over 1500 people do exactly this. But, you know, before we wrap up this podcast, I want to make sure I can give as much free value as possible. Um, but if anyone is interested in joining the mentorship, creditstacking.com to learn more. Uh, but thank you guys for being here. I'll def definitely, you know, make sure it's more worth it for you to keep listening. But back to what I said about building those relationships with banks, one thing you got to 
understand is your business type, there's a certain category of risk on that business. And the lower risk you can classify it with on with an NAICS code, the more funding you'll be eligible to borrow from that bank. So when you go into the bank, they're going to ask you what type of business you have. The lower risk you can tailor that answer to, the better code you're going to get on that bank account. And that's going to make you more eligible for funding. So for example, if you had a brick and mortar gym, but part of the business was online fitness coaching, that's classified as consulting. So in that scenario, I would list your business as a consulting business because that is much, much less risk to the lenders. So try to ask yourself, you know, what does your business do? Is it a marketing business? Can it be spun as a marketing business? Like real estate um, wholesalers, that's marketing. You're, you're finding leads, you're finding buyers, you know, that's marketing. So try to think how you can low tailor your business and then make sure you use that specific NAICS code, which will help you get more funding. And then when you open the bank account, if you can put some liquidity in that bank account, let it sit for a few weeks, that's going to even help you get more capital. You know, I recently recorded an episode um, that had a, uh, I believe the business was Excel fund. And it was, the topic was, you know, a lot of people have accumulated 401k over time. And there are ways that you can invest that into your own business and not get browbeaten by the penalty that goes with it. I think bottom line is there's a lot of really clever ways. Like I mentioned funding, you know, the million dollar bedroom business with a stat. Those were my friend's credit cards, you know, at the time. And we obviously kind of expanded on that. I mean, there's a ton of different things. Now, the space that I'm typically in and talking about and working around is technology and software companies have a freaking miserable time at the bank. Um, And this has been a really hot topic. I've actually gone far enough to piss off quite a few banks for talking shit because they come to the startup events and solicit all of us for business and they don't want to give anyone a loan, anyone credit. And the reason for that is, well, so Jack was talking about businesses that oftentimes have tangible things and there was different codes. If you have a, if you have something that a bank can like look at as collateral or, or anything. So the, the laughable thing was there was a company here in Kansas city that got acquired for $450 million that wasn't even profitable at the time. And uh, they wouldn't have been able to get a loan with bank because they don't have, but, but somewhere there's some specialty manufacturer that makes bolts or something weird that only serve one purpose. Then they have a truckload of them somewhere. And the bank looks at that as an asset and they're like, sure, we'll give you, we can give you a $250,000 loan. And I've got like bank CEOs telling me they're like, yeah, I'd rather invest in the other company, but I can't. So, you know, I think the bottom line is, is understand what the rules on the playing field are and how they work for or against you and figure it out, man. There's a lot of clever ways. I I think that I've seen, I've seen this whole ecosystem of funding an early stage business and cash flow cycling, like really evolve over the years. When I first really started my first, what I'd say was my real business, uh, you know, it was hard to get investors, hard to get funding. We've seen changes in laws and rules involving, you can crowdfund buy and buy equity in a company now. You couldn't do that years ago. There's a lot of different stuff out there. I mean, I, Kickstarter and, and some of those so, things kind of got people co- popping on a lot of that too. Couple things I'll, I'll say there. One, raising money through 0% interest business cards is far easier than any other option. 
All you need is good credit and understanding how to make a bank account, build that relationship, which does not take much effort, and then understanding what to apply for and how to apply for it. The hardest thing is optimizing your personal credit, and it's specifically hard because it's not taught anywhere. You can go to a, an awesome four-year university, study business, and you won't learn how to optimize your credit. That's why someone like myself, I'm here to teach people on how exactly to do that. But for people with brand new businesses, with um, brand new businesses, 23 years old, we're able to get people approved between 50 and 150 grand of 0% interest capital, no income verification, no tax returns, all you need is good credit. So you mentioned the business where you need collateral, et cetera, that's referring to business loans, which you have to show financials for, you have to show collateral for in that example. But in terms of everything I'm talking about, no income verification, no tax returns, they're only looking at your personal credit, the age of the business, the type of the business, and the relationship you, you have with that bank. And that's why it's the easiest way to raise money. Man, I think I've leveraged it all at some point. I'm coming up on 50 years old, man. I've tried it all. It's, it's changed over time. Now, uh, for those of you interested, Jack does have a book. It's called Credit Stacking. It's on Amazon. Pretty easy to find. Jack McCall. So how was how how writing a book? How did that go? I've done three of them, and I, I think I'm done writing books. It was, it was a fun process. I first started with a ghostwriter. And once I got it from the ghostwriter, I realized this is nowhere near where I want it to be. Yeah. It did help to create a template. So I, I started oh. with that template that was provided to me. And then I worked on it for three to four months, hour or so a day, kind of here and there. But it took a lot of effort. I basically, I try to add as, add as much value to the book as possible. It's, I think, $18 on Amazon. It's epic, epic value. So definitely check it out. It's credit stacking on Amazon. And um, yeah, if you guys want to find me on Instagram, it's King of Debt, like credit card debt, King of Debt. Yeah, I went through you know the book writing process. I think the the most common question I've received is, well, the first one is, is it available on Audible? That has easily been the most popular question I've had as an author. Come on, people! And the second one is, people are like, well, did you really write the books? Yeah, I wrote the fucking books, man. I did them. Had the same editor on three. I co-wrote the third one, which I highly recommend, by the way. It's kind of nice to, uh, I think a lot of people think they have a lot of stuff to say until they try to write a book and then they run out about 30 pages in. You're like, oh, cool. You have an ebook now, but yeah, uh, there's, it's, it's amazing. The interesting things that are out there. I, the third question I get, cause I'm all, all my books have been number one on Amazon at some point. People are like, oh, you must've made a lot of money writing on book, writing books. No, I'll never break even right for book sales. I've given a ton of them away, man. I'm going to, I'm a speaker at an event at a, at a business and innovation district downtown tonight. And I'll give away a bunch of books. I don't want your money. So it's a terrible business model, Jack, but it seems to be working out for me because everything else is going pretty well. Um, all right. So you got creditstacking.com. You got Jack's book. I see her on your website. You've been on a couple other podcasts and, and have a lot of interesting stuff to say. Um, as we kind of round out this episode, I like to talk to other founders and do what I call as the founders freestyle. Before we get into that, a quick reminder, today's episode, Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io. Hey, come by. We build, we build development teams. It's about 300,000 open tech jobs in the U.S. But what about all the tech layoffs? Yeah, I didn't put it down in it. Those aren't developers. So that's what we do, fullscale.io. Jack, with the Founders Freestyle, what, what would you like to say to everyone on the way out before I take a turn as well? 
Awesome. Well, first of all, thank you so much, Matt, for hosting me. And thank you, everyone, for listening. If you guys want to go to my Instagram, it's King of Debt. I have a, a link in my bio that has links to other podcasts. It has a link to book a call with my team to learn about credit stacking to see if it's going to be an epic fit for you and your business. And the book link is there as well. In terms of credit stacking, my mentorship program, there's not a more effective mentorship program to help entrepreneurs get access to over $100,000 of 0% interest business credit. We have an incredible amount of resources, not only in the course content we host or I host, we coaching calls to help people get their business to the next level, making sure they can get the funds to scale that business. I have relationship managers at all of the top banks that I share with my group. We have a Facebook group. It's an amazing community. Um, a lot of people are winning absolutely massively. If you guys want to check out the results, it's creditstacking.com slash success. I also have a results Instagram highlight on my Instagram page, but we'd love to have you. We're doing super, super well and producing amazing results for our clients or for our members to help them get access to capital so they can start a business or scale a business. But yeah, thank you again, Matt. It's uh, It's been a great time being here. Yeah, I'm on your Instagram. You got a lot of people following you, man. Good job. Thank you. 140,000 people. Those, uh, that, that's a lot. Um, you know, I, I mean, overall, I think that what I want to say on the way out is, you know, there's, a, as I mentioned, there's a lot of interesting ways to fund, fund a business. Pick the one that works the best for you. Um, remember, if you do borrow money, you got to pay it back. Um, well, most of the time. Um, the only time you're not going to pay it back is if you're going to bring in investor funds and sell part of your business and you end up paying down the debt, which is just another form of paying it back. Um, there's something out there that works for everyone. You know, there really is. And, and I've, man, I've tried so many different things. I do want to say that I've been on the good side of the lever and the bad side of the lever, and, uh, I've managed to live through both of those. But, uh, you know, when you feel, when, when that, when you're on the wrong side of the lever, man, you, you can really, you hear that thing snap and you're like, uh, oh. so just be careful folks. That's all I, you know, I like to tell the real story of entrepreneurship, uh, just, work within your means and don't get too crazy. This is a form of, of business acceleration that we've been talking about. It's not, if you're, if you're just losing money hand over fist, borrowing more money to just continue losing it, you might have, other, the, the point is you might have other things that you need to address and fix in the business as well. But yeah, man, lots one, of one, a lot of creative options and a lot of creative things. You had something else? I was going to say one thing I would add there, Matt, is if you're ever doing something new, you want to be making sure you're surrounded by the right mentors and the right oh, community yeah. of support. So you're not making mistakes that will cost you, could be thousands of dollars. So whatever you're doing that's brand new, you want to surround yourself with the right support network so you don't make those mistakes and so you can get support every step of the way. And that's one of the big things we do in credit stacking is making sure people have the support and they can do it correctly. Yeah, knowing how to hit, knowing where to hit it with the hammer is a lot more important than just having the hammer. All right, Jack, I'll, I'll, I'll I'm, I'm following you on Instagram now, so I'm definitely going to see you down the road, man. Awesome. Well, thank you, Matt. It's been a pleasure. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.